morning, church. As the lights come up, if you'll turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 4 today, uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 4. We'll be kind of all over the place, quite honestly. Um, if we can pull the house lights up, that would be awesome. I know y'all are probably working hard for that. Thank you so much. Um, that way we can see. You can make sure what I'm saying is actually in there. Amen? I got, I got, listen, I, I, I don't need spell trackers. And to get, let you know on the front end, I can't spell. But we want to make sure that what I'm reading is the right stuff. And uh, today we're going to be in Luke 4, but we're going to be in three different um, places. And we'll talk through that. First of all, uh, thank you for praying. It's so good to be home. My every intent was to be here in this place uh, a week ago. Uh, but the Lord decided to elongate our time in Turkey by a little bit and allowed a couple of us to get COVID. And so you praying for us was huge. Uh, our symptoms were uh, incredibly mild. We learned enough Turkish to hail a taxi cab and make sure we had food. Uh, so it was, it was a, an experience for sure. Um, but glad that you were you're praying for us. It just meant the world. Uh, I'll let you know, even though I was sitting here, you'll hear more, as Scott said, about a turkey trip next week. Um, but, but I just want to let you know or remind you of the privilege that we just had, that we just took advantage of. Uh, it, our partners in, in Turkey and certain areas of the world, they don't get this privilege of listening to people praise Jesus in English some of them for years at a time. Isn't that amazing? And so when we got together uh, two weeks ago now uh, with these believers, about uh, 90 all together, somewhere in there, 70 to 90 all together, um, they were worshiping the Lord, and that was possibly the most believers that they had gotten to worship alongside of in months, if not more than a year or so. And so uh, even as I'm hearing, listen, I love, I love scream singing, uh, when the Lord's on my heart, but in, in that song of This Is My Story, it's just good to hear your voices surrounding mine. For, for two weeks, I, I feel like it's been a long time to not worship with your family, so it's good to be home. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, we're starting a new series. Our guidebook is a few weeks ahead of us in that. As we talk about it, uh, we're part of something bigger. And as we walk through this quarter, we're going to be talking about how we're a part of a bigger family. And we're going to do this in kind of a unique, unique way. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through stories uh, and accounts from when Jesus and Peter... We're, we're serving alongside of each other. Uh, Peter, as one of the apostles, uh, was, was an incredible example of sometimes what to do, what not to do, always an example of passion. Um, but, but in that, Peter, in some cases, was the hard relative. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I, I feel like I'm the hard relative some, sometimes. Are you, you there? Just the relative that, that's, you know, always a little demanding of your attention. Peter was always a little bit demanding of attention. Uh, and that will serve him well. Uh, but in this picture of being a part of a bigger family, we really get an insight onto how Jesus Christ built his family, which we're a part of today. Um, Peter, if you don't know, uh, one of the disciples was married. 
there's only one reason we know that Peter was married, and it's from the passage in Luke that we're going to talk about today. And, and the Bible says that Jesus and some of the disciples went to the house of Peter, and his mother-in-law was ill. So this is how we know that Peter was married, because he had a mother-in-law. There's no such thing as adopt a mother-in-law. That's not a thing, right? You can adopt a friend, you can adopt a whatever, but no one's like, oh, four, please. Four. I have a wonderful mother-in-law. She's here today. So, but, but in that, in that process, we know he's married because he has a mother-in-law, and we know that their family is taking care of each other because mother-in-law is sick, and she is in Peter's house. She's being cared for. We, we start to get this sense of this picture, but this is it. And someone, when I was sharing with this, uh, them about this, we said, well, why, why don't we hear about Peter's wife more? Wouldn't it be awesome to get some insight into that? And very quickly, and I only think because of the Spirit, not because I was sharp or anything like that, I said, this story is not Peter's story. And so everyone, including Peter's mother-in-law, that is listed in the gospel account is there because it's Christ's story. It's the story of how salvation came. And, and the Lord knows there are many wonderful stories happening in the world today, but they're not all Scripture. There's only one story that makes that thread of Scripture, and that's the story of Jesus Christ. And so in this place, in the story of Christ, the Holy Spirit lets us know about Peter's mother-in-law in this picture. And I think it's really important because I, I do believe that there are times when we think that we are the story because we've been invited into it. Our preferences, our desires, our world, does anything actually happen outside of me? I'm not aware of it. Those kinds of things. They all start to come into play. And, and what Scripture really points us to is the story of Jesus Christ and that we're part of his family is the invitation into his story. And God doesn't care about our opinion on, on how or why that is. He's glad to welcome us into it. And on this day that we'll read about in Luke chapter 4, Jesus has been doing something. The Bible tells us right before uh, chapter 4, verse 38, that Jesus had healed a man of an unclean demon uh, of, a, of a demon on the Sabbath. And this was a major no-no. To do any kind of work that glorified God was against the legalistic rules of the Pharisee. They had their things they were used to. These are the boundaries that you play in, and I don't care outside of it. And so Jesus did that. So healing this man, being under the pressure of everybody's eyes around him, the Bible says on that same day, he makes his way back to Peter's house. And I want to read you the Luke account, and then I want to do something special with you. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 says this. We'll just read verse 38 and verse 39 in Luke and then we'll read a little bit more and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf and he stood over her and rebuked the fever and left it to her and left left and it left her excuse me and immediately she rose and began to serve him 
You know, as, as we look at this picture of what's going on, it seems very basic. It almost seems like, why is it included? Believe it or not, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this story. They all include this recount that seems so very simple. Jesus and his buddies were done with a long day. They went back to Peter's house to, to rest and recoup. Mother-in-law was sick. Jesus healed him. She served him. It's, it's the game over. But, but I want you to know there's a reason it's included. As I spent time in prayer over and I looked through the, the scriptural accounts, I just started to think about the beginning of the end of the story is that there were some people on the other side of the door inside the house and then eventually we'll read that there are actually many other people on the other side of the door outside of the house and so as we were preparing and traveling just thinking I want you to know we, we I took a picture of a door while I was on my trip and it says USA this way I was like oh I can't wait to be home so I have a picture of USA this way but doors are really meaningful things. Um, I, I remember as a kid growing up, my granddad lived on 10 acres of land. And he had the longest driveway in history. You know, of all of this 10 acres, I don't know how wide it was, but it had to be less than an acre wide. And it was just this long driveway. You could, if someone's turning down their driveway, they knew it for like 45 seconds before they even got close to the house. It was just undeniably missable. But, but I can remember as a child going to my grandfather's house and you'd, you'd pull in the driveway and he had a carport and in front of the carport, right next to it was this firewood box, which we used all the time. And then these two uh, concrete stairs that left up to the door and you almost like you had to open the door and step in the third stair. And, and I always remembered there were a lot of things we loved about going to my grandfather's house. But what I really loved is when you open the door within four feet would sit the six foot five or so frame of my granddaddy waiting to see us. I mean, you just knew. You knew where he sat. You could tell what Western was going to be on the TV. You follow me? We just knew. And, and here's what I loved. On the other side of that door, I knew was someone that was excited to see me, that was ready to commune with me, that was ready to love me, and had all kinds of, like, boy backyard things that we would do. It, working in the garden, riding on the tractor, whatever it was going to be. But you know, the older I get... I realized that he was on the inside of the door thinking about what was on the other side of the door. Are any of you grandparents? Do you know, and don't get me wrong, I, I know there's some days that are good and bad, but isn't it great when there's a special visit and you're expecting someone to come through the door? I mean, you don't ring the door. If, if you go through the front door of your grandparents' house, we're gonna have a conversation. Right? You need to, you should like be barreling through. We don't ring doorbells, anything like that. My granddad, he didn't have his door locked saying, like, oh, they're going to show up soon, Lord of mercy. He was excited about what was on the other side of the door. And what I didn't realize as a child is, is that he and my, my grandmother, my granny, that they had done a lot of preparation so that the person on the other side of the door that would eventually come in would be welcomed and engaged and loved. You see, on the outside, I cared about who was on the other side of the door. And on the inside, my granddad was caring about the person on the other side of the door. 
as I read this passage of scripture, I, I went through the four gospels and Matthew, Mark, and Luke all take this account. And what I did, and, and I think it'll show up on the screen, is I wove the three accounts together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, about this story, about the day when they joined Jesus walking through the door to Peter's house and the same day they walked out of it. And all of a sudden I started to see a different picture of Jesus. This is what scripture says, and you can spell check me in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Do we have that on the screen, just the text? Maybe? Awesome. If y'all cannot see it on that white, that's going to be a little bit hard to read, but, but follow along with me and I'll read it to you. This is the account of Matthew, thank you, there you go, give me a tan, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It says, immediately he left the synagogue and entered Simon Peter's house, the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and immediately they told him about her. They appealed to him on her behalf. He, Jesus, saw his, Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever and he came and he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and he touched her hand and he took her by the hand and he lifted her up and the fever left her and immediately she rose and began to serve her serve them and the words of all three of these gospel writers coming in together they remind us about the central figure of the story about Jesus. See, Psalm chapter 46, 1, you may be familiar with it, says, God is our refuge and our strength, and he is our very present help in trouble. I want you to know, church, that whether you are on the inside of the door, part of the family and, and the close-knit that's saved by Jesus Christ, or whether God brought you here today and you're on the outside of the door, I want you to know that we have a Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ who is our very present help. And when the gospel writers started to write these things about Jesus, all of them wanted to know a little bit different. They wanted us to know that, listen, Jesus didn't just walk in and say, get up and take care of me. That when the gospel, when the disciples appealed to him, that the Bible says Jesus saw her. Jesus stood over her. He wasn't afraid of her illness. He wasn't afraid of, of what stained her. The Bible says he touched her. That would have been risking unclean to touch a sick person like that. The Bible said he took her hand and he lifted her. It was the strength of Jesus that pulled her to her feet. Church, when you think about Jesus, do you realize that this is why he came? to bring healing, to bring life, to bring salvation, that he is our ever-present help in our time of need. You know, we, we get very comfortable with, with being around Jesus, that sometimes we miss the tenderness and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was Jesus able to heal Peter's mother-in-law, he rebuked the fever. 
He exerted his authority and his power over the fever. And it says in that moment, it left her in such a way that after she was raised up, she was able to serve them. As I started thinking about this, I started to realize just this intimate joy that you and I are invited in when we allow Jesus Christ to be the authority and the ruler over our house. I want you to remember, whose house were we in? Peter's. But who did Peter and the apostles yield control over the house to the moment he entered in? Jesus. The, the moment he walks in, it, I love their words and we'll walk into it, but when it says they appealed to him, they told her they, they appealed to him about her. They loved Peter's mother-in-law. She was, she was cared for enough that they approached the Savior in that. And Jesus in that moment, church, with all strength and all tenderness and all authority, he lavishes his love on his people. Church, when you and I walk this world living for Jesus Christ, there's a temptation in this world of sin that we're in. When the sin of this world is attacking us, is attacking what you believe, is attacking what you stand for, is tempting you into places you should not go. There, there, there is a temptation, a very real temptation for you and I to say, I will take the word of God and use it in a way that does not elevate the Lord I have given my life to. There's a temptation to, to think that the Lord has equipped us so that we would be the ones too. But in reality, church, the Lord is equipping us to make much of the one who is able. Do you realize that? Do you realize the relationship the disciples have with God here is not to make their stories great, not to make their thoughts great, not to make their longings great, it's to make Jesus great. And so when we stand for Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ in the world, it's yielding authority and representing the one who speaks and stands, who touches and reaches and heals. This is why this is important. Because if Jesus doesn't care about the people on the inside of the door, then we shouldn't either. If Jesus doesn't care about Peter's mom, then we shouldn't either. If Jesus doesn't, brother, if Jesus doesn't care about disciples, then we shouldn't either. But what does Scripture show us clearly? That he absolutely cares for the people in his family on the inside of the house. So what do we do? What do we do when there's struggling, when there's strife, when there's hardness, when there's a need of healing on the inside of the house? Go back to your scripture, uh, Luke chapter thir four, verse 38. It says this, uh, and he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. 
The scripture would say they told him about it in another scripture. Another part would say they saw. Jesus saw, they told, and they appealed. Church, you and I need to know that there is a privilege of being a part of the bigger family of God. And one of those privileges that we share in is our proximity to Jesus Christ. That we serve a Lord and Savior who has the power to change lives. Who has the power to bring healing. Who has the power to rip people from the grips of death and the grave and give them eternal life and that proximity to him that relationship with him gives us the right to appeal to him church when you think about prayer do you realize that you are flexing your family's relationships I don't know about you, a lot of people are, are texters and whatnot, and we text a little bit, but, but I want you to know that there are, are text messages on my phone and phone calls on my phone. If you were to go through the list of minutes and messages and characters on my phone, <clears throat> do you know the person that I text and call for the most amount of time every day and every week? Do you know who that would be? My wife, right? If any of you thought it was you, I'm sorry. You see, our relationship and proximity gives me access to do something that you don't have access to do. If you're texting my wife for three hours a day, we're having a conversation, right? You with me? Like, our relationship gives me the ability to do that. I would be a fool not to take advantage of that. I would be, I would be out of my skull not to take advantage of the relationship and the proximity that I have to my beloved. How much more foolish would we be, church, when we have times of need to not bring something before the Lord, to say, God, I figured it out. God, I have a plan. God, I have an opinion. God, this is what I'm gonna do. How foolish is that? When we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is available to us. And we just say, you know what, God? I'm in your presence. You'll hit me in the back of the head if I'm wrong. Church, that's a way to end up with a spiritual concussion. That's not a way to thrive in a relationship that God has given you. You see, the Jews asked a question. Uh, Paul was talking to the church in Rome. And they said, so then what's the advantage of being on the inside of the house? What's the advantage that we have if Jesus is going to make himself known to everybody anyway? What, what advantage is there to us? Romans chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says this. What advantage has the Jew? What value is the circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. You see, what Paul told the Jews is, when you're on the inside of the house, when you, when you are part of God's family, that you've been entrusted with knowledge, you know where you should turn to. You're just refusing to turn there. Church, when you and I are on the inside of the house, caring for one another, being Christ's hands and feet to one another, worshiping our Lord and Savior, and the privilege and the joy of what we're doing right here and right now, we are taking advantage of an incredible benefit. And the question is, what's it for? What's the point of the benefit inside the house? Peter, who was impetuous early on, became wise later on. And in 1 Peter 
he pins these words. He says, His, Jesus, divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Church, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are on the inside of the house. And through Jesus Christ, you have the ability to come to him and approach him with confidence and joy and respect. But you also have all that you need in him to take care of all the needs in your life. See, for Peter, he would have remembered the story, I can only imagine. When he penned these words, he, think, he wasn't thinking, the divine power has given me all that I need to live a life of godliness. I remember the day Jesus walked into my house and my mother-in-law was sick. If I had all that I needed in Jesus Christ, what's the best thing to do? The best thing to do is to realize that I can access my relationship with Jesus Christ and he can go to work in the world around me. He didn't say, I should be able to figure it out. He didn't say, I should be able to make it happen. He says, I've got it all because of the divine power of Jesus Christ. Church, when you live your life caring for the people around you in the presence of God, are you doing it on your own? Or are you doing it in a fresh relationship with Jesus Christ through prayer? I'm gonna tell you what, the story would not have been included if the disciples don't appeal to Jesus Christ. I read these words that a, an author penned. He says, we have learned that present earthly and personal comfort is not such a grand object after all. Let me say that again. We have learned that present earthly personal comfort is not such a grand object after all. That there are higher things that there are better things within our reach. What are these? Growing, being sanctified, making this life not an end, but a beginning. Preparation for a higher and better life. Not only so, but we can go to Jesus as truly as could the friends at Capernaum, and we could help take sufferers there. Let me tell you what I think the most powerful part of this story is the last few words of verse 49, 39 in Luke chapter 4 if you have your Bible turn there with me she rose and began to serve them you see church in our world we're so used to not seeing the Lord worship when he does we're tempted to be paralyzed with a spiritual joy See, if, if what God is doing is about me and my preferences, if what God is doing is only about the people inside of the house, then what I'm saying is, God, what you are here to do is help me to live the life that I've dreamed to live until the day you called me home in glory. But church, I want you to know that it is not the comforts of this world that we are living for. It is not the peace of this world that we are living for. That there are truly greater things. And Peter's mother-in-law, she knew it. Could you imagine what the story would have been like if when she would have healed and Jesus rose her hand, she would have said, oh, thank you. Can I just sit down for a moment and just think about how wonderful this is? Oh, I just want to be able to articulate how alive I'm feeling. I know I was sick, 
but now I'm not. How do I articulate that I was, I'm not sick anymore? And, oh, I want you to know, I think I, I had a fever, and now I don't have a fever. Could you imagine what would have happened if she would have fallen to this holy comatose of only caring about what was important to her? The Bible says the world will know us by our love. Jesus says you will be known by your fruit. Sitting down, talking to the people who are already in the house about how good you feel about being in the house. That's not fruit. Serving. Jesus serving the people in the house and preparing for others to come in. That's fruit that can be tasted and seen and God can be glorified. Why is her serving such a big deal to me? Read verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, I would say, to the other side of the door. And he laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not let them speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Church, serving the Lord Jesus Christ so that he can be made known to the nations, that's what we do. Serving our brothers and sisters in Christ who are helping make Jesus known to the nations, that's fruit. Serving our children and our families, serving our spouses so that the name of Jesus can be great among the nations, that is what we are here for. When she got up to serve him, church, she was preparing Jesus for the long night ahead. And she didn't even know it. How, how do I know? Do you not know when Jesus from another woman who was healed came in, Mary, and she breaks perfume on Jesus' feet. It was expensive perfume. And one of the disciples and some of the others said, why is she doing this? That money could be done for the poor. And Jesus says, she is preparing me for burial. Church, when Peter's mother-in-law got up to serve Jesus Christ and the disciples. She was preparing them to continue holding fast to the mission for which Christ came and with the strength which God had provided her to worship her Lord. Man, what an incredible act by a mother-in-law. The news of Jesus coming to town wasn't a secret. And when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, it would have been known. And when the man was truly healed, the rumors would have started to spread. And after that moment, Jesus walked into a house where he was known and his followers already resided. And he cared for them and they cared for him. That's church. Prayer, serving, worship. It would have been impossible to realize that there were hordes of people outside of the house clamoring for the Savior. They would have known that many of them had 
had false desires. They just wanted to be healed. They didn't want to know life. It would have been easy to think this is going to be overwhelming. The Bible says that Jesus ministered to all of them. Everyone, could you imagine how physically exhausting that was? It would have been easier to not worry about the people on the other side of the door. But that's not the family that we've been invited into. Because there was a day when you were on the other side of the door. And someone inside the door communing with the Savior with a heart of service, not of comfort, opened the door and the testimony of Jesus Christ impacted your life. Church, this morning, a lesson on Christianity from a mother-in-law. It's his story that you have been invited into. Do not waste it in your personal life. And do not attempt to control it and stifle it from carrying out the mission that God has shared his story with us to accomplish. Seventy people. Thirty-five, let's call them adults that we got to spend a whole week with on the other side of the world who've gone so far on the other side of the door that they won't see this many faces of Christ's followers in one place for years until they get a break. Why? Because God did not design them like he did not design us to live in comfort but to share what God has given us with those on the outside so that they may be on the inside with us today and for all eternity would you pray with me Father God we love you Lord Jesus um, I am so glad to be on the inside door of this church today Lord, I, I don't know that I realized how much I missed it until I walked in. So Father, I praise you for the brothers and sisters in Christ that are inside, knowing that together we can come before our King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and give him control of the house and follow your directions and lean into your words and know that you love us and care for us and provide for us. Father God, I pray that as you strengthen us as your bride, as you love us, as you pour into us, that we would be a people who serve our Lord and King and do all that we can do to prepare him and one another to share the good news of the gospel, that the kingdom has come and that we do it in a way that people on the other side of the door can hear it and see it and bring you glory. Lord, there is so much more to life than the comforts of this land. And the grandness of our King starts the list. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Would you stand with me?